Hello and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are joined again by Doof Media alums, I guess you can call them, Scott Daly and Matt Freeman. <laughs> How's it Hi. going, guys? We're we're happy to be here to to fix you guys. That's what, that's that's what we're doing. We're that's fixing the job. Um, yes, we are back to talk <laughs> about Terminator and T2 uh, Judgment Day. Um where should we start? Do you want to summarize the plot of T1 and I'll do T2, Elliot? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I just, I, I will say, I'm glad we got to watch both of these. I think they work really well as a pair. Um, I was it, surprised by how different T2 is to T1. Yeah, um, but it, let's, it, it, it yeah. works off it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah I'll should we talk about the them plot. separately or together? Or what should we do? How do you guys want to approach these these bundles of movies? I mean, I think like T two is like one of my favorite movies ever, and I would be totally fine spending more time talking about that. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think I, Matt I feels the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's start with T one. Give a bit of a discussion on that, then move into T two, and we can kind of do some comparison stuff during that as well. Yeah. Sure. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. Well, so T one is is basically we get this bit of uh, exposition at the start that there was like a nuclear war in the future and the human resistance has had to send uh, someone back in time to prevent a robot who was also sent back in time from killing the mother of the resistance, um, which like, it, you know, in, in this day and age, I was just kind of like, okay, like sure, time travel plot, like fairly basic, but like it, it, there's a beautiful beauty in the simplicity of this. Because um, mm-hmm. basically Sarah's just like the most averagest like person ever. Uh, and mm-hmm. she kind of gets swept into this war between like this future soldier man uh, who we eventually learn's name is Kyle. I've just got him as human man in, in my notes for most of it. <laughs> um, and then uh, Arnie is obviously like this evil robot and the evil robot's just running around trying to kill Sarah. Uh, and But they end up killing the robot at the end. Um, and it's kind of left, you know, as, as it's like, okay, now she's going to go off and raise her, her son. Um, she heads off to Mexico, father, right? Yeah. And it turns out the father is actually the guy who got sent um back which was just like i like it's so fun like just as an idea because it's like well isn't it the isn't it the best isn't it the best (laughs) that the the father of the resistance is the future person that was set back because of this to try to stop the resistance (laughs) like the terminator or the the machines created their own problem it's Mm -hmm. just the best i love it i love it yes although t2 kind of suggests that also the problem the machines created themselves it gets weird in t2 we'll get there yes but um <laughs> it, it's yeah i just love yeah this idea that like that, that kyle was ha- or kyle was hanging out with his son but his son was his boss who knew but he didn't and there's that sort of moment yeah. where he's back in time and he's like oh fuck like yeah okay uh-huh. um yeah so fun mm-hmm. anyway but yeah so that that's sort of where this first one lends off leads off it doesn't invite a sequel necessarily but i'm glad that it got one um yeah totally so, the, sorry, please. How how much of this movie did y'all know about? Because I I think on the the prescription episode, like y'all were talking about some crazy shit, and I was really surprised that you didn't know the basic plot of robot is set back in time to try to stop the leader of a resistance in the future. Like it's basically the kill Hitler plot, um, mm. and and I was surprised that y'all didn't know that at all, or it didn't seem like you knew it at least. I, I knew like maybe some of those vague points. I knew a uh, robot back in time stuff yeah uh, but i, I, I didn't think really I know, know that a robot was sent back in time and that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> along yeah. with some miscellaneous like you know cultural points like he he he's wears sunglasses all the time and shit uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i actually there's the i'll be back line in this which is nowhere near as much emphasis is placed on that line as i would have expected given like how much <laughs> of a cultural meme it's become like, I'll be back is such an iconic phrase. And it, it, it's not even used in an action scene or anything. He just says it to a policeman before he, you know, comes back in a car. Um, yeah. But it, it is a great moment. 14 but... lines. Uh-huh. Yeah. 14 <laughs> lines. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I like what you said earlier about the simplicity because that, you know, comparing the two, I guess, like Terminator 1 is, is like boiled down and simple and almost, almost like simplistic in, in a way, like uh, uh, iconic villain right like uh like, yeah. like scott just pointed out he says so few things um he's like just kind of this perfectly relentless like scary character 
um yeah i, I that's that's what i like about that movie yeah the, i mean it's basically a horror movie right? yeah like, i yeah. was surprised by how much it felt like a horror movie it, it feels like a slasher especially in the first half where the Terminator's mm-hmm. going around murdering all the people called Sarah Connor <laughs> or, or, you know, her uh, roommate and roommate's partner. And it feels yeah. like a horror movie for that first half of the movie. And that doesn't go away, I don't think. Like the ending sequence where she's, you know, crawling away through a factory and this half of a Terminator is crawling after her is it's horrific. It's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when 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 its flesh burns off and it's chasing in skeleton form, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I love like you know how ceaseless the Terminator is. Like we've talked about, mm. it follows here, mm. and like I could see if it follows was said to have drawn inspiration from the Terminator, I'd get that because it's just it feels like this machine that will not stop marching. Like even when it gets chopped in half, it's still crawling after her. It's it's like such a great horror baddie because because of the way mm-hmm. it just doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, and and how freaking good is Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie? Like, it's yeah, it's incredible. A- apparently, he like trained for months about like firing guns, reloading guns, cleaning guns because he wanted it so down pat that it looked mechanical, it looked mm. machine like. He didn't. He he fi- He like just went to like firing ranges and just fired guns over and over again, so he would never flinch when pulling a trigger. Like he went all out for this movie, and I think it really does show. It's it's a remarkable like yeah he doesn't say like anything, but it's a remarkable performance. Just the his presence like it's like you look at this guy and you're like of course superstar like of course like there's mm. no other path for this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because usually like you calling an actor's performance like robotic or wooden is a bit of an insult, but like. <laughs> Like here, he's actually he sort it. of showing how it can be hard to do that like properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think another another acting thing is is I just love the transformation of Sarah Connor from like you said, like average person into you know your germinated fucker, like like yeah. Yeah, selling that line by the end. And of course, Linda Hamilton then blows us away, you know, with the second movie too. Obviously, so. yes, yep. the, se- the second movie gives us a lot more to talk about with her journey because. Uh, wait, she she has one in Terminator, but it's all within the span of like twenty four hours, and she just kind of, you know, gets fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, th- there's so many little gems in these movies as well. Like they're really well put together. Like I love the the dog setup. We get so much teaching us that dogs don't trust Terminators, and then they have the scene in the motel, and the dog outside just starts barking, and you're like, oh, like beautiful. Like it totally makes sense that they're getting the warning. Yeah. Um, I I, I really like. I really like the small moments in this meet. Like, you know, the, we meet these two cops and they're we don't really get to know them very well at all. They're just two cops kind of just like dealing with the fact that suddenly Sarah Connors are dying and we don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them played by Lance Henriksen, who's just yeah. amazing. Um, and and like. Like we like there's like there's just these little simple moments where like the one of the dudes exhausted like the lines like how do I look you look like shit and and he's like yo mama and just walks off and then like <laughs> when he's like getting Advil and drinking out of the coffee and he's like that coffee is two two hours old um, and I put a cigarette in it like there's these little tiny moments that don't like <laughs> matter to the story but I think just like make these characters like it feels like we're just like getting a window into what it is like for these police detectives day to day and then this the fucking machine storms into their life and just destroys them I don't know like I I love the detail there I think James Cameron does like intercharacter detail so well um, and that's one of the places that it really shines yeah well and it makes that raid on the police station feel more impactful that I like had actually yeah. grown to care about two of the characters who were you know just destroyed by Arnie yeah, yeah, definitely. Just like unceremoniously wiped out. Like it's a movie doesn't even shoot their deaths any different than it shoots the deaths of any of the unnamed cops. Like mm. it's almost as if it's just like I don't, we don't care. This they don't matter. Um, it's mm. and it's like shocking in that regard. Like you figure like these. We spent some time with these guys. You figure it'd be like, oh god, I'm sad. I'm sad to see you die, guy whose name I don't remember, but I, <laughs> I still I still feel I still feel bad about it. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. great. Yeah, I thought also, it was really well done. Uh, Bill Paxton gets his heart ripped out, so that's yeah, he does. <laughs> um, one of the yeah, other actually, things I want to talk about for this movie was the the effects in it. I mean, we'll talk about this in T two as well because it gets pretty heavily CGI in T two. But in the first Terminator, it's all from what I can tell, a lot of stop motion and a lot of like robotics. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really 
impressed by how well the stop motion less so but the robotics damn looks so fucking good mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um there's the one where i think it's a just, yeah the stop motion just had that unfortunate effect where the frame rate was different so you, yeah. you yeah. could just tell when it was that yeah, there was which... one cool shot where it was, a, I think, a stop-motion Arnie walking towards a live-action in the police station raid, I think it was, and it looked yeah. very cool. But, um, yeah, apart from that, it was pretty jerky. Yeah, but, you know, honestly, like, for me, and maybe this is nostalgia talking, but, like, <laughs> so, some of the like some of the badness of the special effects makes it seem otherworldly in a way that mm. I actually like. Mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can see that. I, I mean, for there was... me, there was just this ironic line where uh kyle kyle's briefly talking to sarah about like how the the humanoid terminators like started to come about and he's like there were these t600s and they had rubber for skin and we could spot them instantly and then like two (laughs) scenes later we get the thing where arnie's in the bathroom like put sort of pulling his face apart or whatever and it was so obviously like rubber and 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 prop work and i was just like oh yeah i can see what kyle was talking about (laughs) he doesn't look human right now yeah, I mean that's that's the they're doing as best as they can, but there is there's a very clear obvious transition between Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting in the chair looking into the mirror and mm. um and animatronic r- rubber covered guy yeah. that but I, I think that's such an excellent scene though because he's like yeah. he like rips his eye out and it's yeah. like like it's just it's just so creepy. I love oh, yeah. it. The the whole movie does a great job of really making Arnie feel inhuman. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, 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 we we haven't actually called out the differences in how Kyle and Arnie sort of spawn in the 1980s. Uh, like, like you know, Arnie just sort of spawns and immediately starts killing and overpowering people, whereas like Kyle is like running from the police and like fending for scraps, and it so just like mirrors the dynamic that we get the impression of exists in the future. Like Kyle yeah, is yeah. on the bottom even when he comes in here. That's just sort of the mindset he has. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, he's a scrappy it, it, underdog. Yeah. yeah, it's such a stark contrast, especially in a movie like where you probably maybe didn't like the, imagine the first time someone saw this without seeing the trailer. Like they don't know who these two people are and we know one of them is bad. I think the movie makes it pretty clear that Arnie's bad yeah. right away, but we don't know who Kyle Reese is. Um we don't we don't really know what's going on very much. We just got that little bit of exposition. So, yeah, I mean, I think telegraphing that via the fact that he's basically wearing a homeless guy's clothes for the entire first half of the movie yeah. i think is really, really perfect yeah and and they have a lot of fun with that in t2 as well that that, that mm-hmm. we'll get to um uh, yeah yeah one thing i wanted to ask the the panel um <laughs> is like so there, there's obviously there's this um for want of a better word relationship between sarah and kyle and it's just so messed up, isn't it? But, like, I couldn't figure out who I felt was the victim, so I've just decided that they're both kind of victims. Because Kyle's been, like... Like, there's this weird thing. John has basically helped Kyle become, like, obsessed with Sarah by giving him yeah. a photo and everything. So, like, John's weirdly kind of groomed his dad to be in love with his mum, who he then sends back, who then, get like, gets completely traumatised. And I was just like, this is just such a messed up relationship. Like, it's probably for the best that it only lasted a night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're both sort of victims of fate in like the classic Greek tragedy sense, right? They're 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 trapped by fate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, like I, I definitely think I like. I think one of the biggest differences between this movie and the sequel is this idea of what can we change and what can't we change. And in this movie, it just seems like things are just playing out the way they always should, right? Like, this is the way it was always going to happen. This is the way it has to happen. Um, And every one of our characters is just kind of swept up into that and a victim of it um, and kind of powerless to it. And and the word I'm thinking right now is ka because we're reading (laughs) reading the Dark Tower series. Um, But... I think the second movie kind of kind of intentionally sets out to to dive into that and explore that on a deeper level. But the first movie is literally just like this is this is just the way it was always happened. That's their view on time travel. It's well, like this happens actually, because it happened. So yeah, but that's actually the twist kind of because Kyle arrives and he's like, we can change the future and and everything's in jeopardy. And then it's like as you mm. get to the end of the movie, it's like oh, actually he was always John's dad. And so then you kind of like at the end, I was like, oh okay, so it turns out this is the time travel where it always happened. And then T2 right. is kind of like, well, but actually, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, T2 at least ends ambiguously where yes, you don't know for sure that they succeeded in stopping Judgment Day. And in fact, if you go on to the later movies, they didn't. 
forget <laughs> about those though um, <laughs> yeah I was, I was i've actually got in my notes at the end of t2 i was like oh there's a nice ambiguous ending except that i know there's more so i guess yeah. they didn't <clears throat> succeed i just consider mm. this to be the end of the series honestly yeah i do too i mean like the the explanations for why they didn't stop judgment day and for why there are still more terminators and why there are more fucking arnold machines coming back just gets thinner and thinner as the series goes on yeah um, I, i've developed a head cannon personally and i don't this probably doesn't hold up in the later ones but i've decided that skynet had some sort of limit in its programming where it's not allowed to develop new weapons because that's the only reason to explain why it doesn't build good ones <laughs> Uh huh. Well, where's the T the T one thousand's pretty okay? No, yeah, the the T one thousand is very good, but it would be even better if it didn't try to be a human so much. Like, wait, because okay, it it can turn its hand it uh, it can turn its hands into knives. What if it could just shoot bullets? out they of itself they, well they said that they said that it, specifically they, complex it can't machinery turn its hands into work. bullets but it could just shoot bullets well unfortunately they do that in t3 and it sucks so <laughs> yeah okay but that's but anyway, we, no, my, my conclusion is all the things like time travel and stuff were in development around the world and skynet's just discovering these things well <laughs> t2 introduces the the weird like bootstrap paradox but um yeah, I mean, should we just move into T2, I suppose? Yes, yeah, let's talk about yeah. T2. <laughs> yes, please. So um, the plot of T2 is basically we're uh, some number of years in the future. I think probably about, God, how old is John? Maybe like 12, 13, 14? Uh, I can't, I can't yeah, tell yeah, children's ages. 13 or 14 probably. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're probably then about 13 or 14 years in the future. Uh, Sarah Connor left Mexico a little while ago. Uh, for some reason, and uh, tried to, well, not for some reason, tried to blow up Cyberdyne Systems or some computer company um, and got locked up because she kept talking about how there's a crazy machine war coming. Yeah, so, I don't know why you know, she was telling people that. Justifiably, <laughs> she was locked in a was. mental institution. Um, and she uh, is kind of trapped there, unable to prevent uh, the future from coming to pass when uh, two more terminators come back in time one bad one and one good one but twist the good one's actually the arnold schwarzenegger one and the bad one's a new one the bad one's the one that looks like a cop yeah yeah which is well a very charged a very charged image back in 1991 and even more so now yeah this is the coolest thing in the world to me because I think you two are the only human beings I've ever talked to ever that didn't know that Arnie was the good one from this movie on. So did that did the scene absolutely blow your mind when they when they finally cornered John in the hallway? Did it did, tell me tell me about that moment, please? Yeah, because I didn't get I didn't get that because even I as a child knew that Arnie was the good one. Um. Yeah. I mean. So what? Like, how it kind of works? Like, we already sort of talked about these entrances. So what happens is Arnie comes in again and just completely fucks up a bar of people. Mm-hmm. And um, Robert Patrick's T one thousand. Who? Side note: I'd never seen Robert Patrick in anything this old before. He's a spitting image of Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, remake this movie with Joseph Gordon Levitt is what I'm saying. Um. So yeah, and he comes in and he's just like a bit more human, but there was like something off about him. Like, so mm. I, I had this weird. Like, not suspicion that he was a Terminator, but I was like, this he isn't as nice as Kyle. And I thought yeah. we were doing something like that. I was like, oh, he's, he's like a, a a more shit human. Um, but well, yeah. And like, they do Arnie- some really clever editing, too, with his introduction. Because, like, when he runs into the cop, like, you see him attack the cop, but it cuts away before you see, like... Yeah. What what we realize later is he stabbed the guy. He mm-hmm. used a knife hand and stabbed the guy. But we didn't like they. We don't know that yet, so they don't show it to us. And he just kind of you see you just see his arm like see him punch him. Yeah, he's like oh he punched punch, him. It, it looks like he punches him, yeah. and then you see him in the cop uniform. You don't see him change into the uniform, but that's the assumption the viewer makes that he took his clothes. But of course, we learn later <laughs> that no, he just yeah. he just uh, subsumed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But like, yeah. I so I actually originally had in my notes that I was like, oh. Like, it's a little bit on the nose how they just kind of completely redid the entrances. Like, Arnie was just the same. It's just evil Arnie again. And it's just a bar instead of some, like, overly punked punk kids. Um, and and then I was like, but, you know, they did something a little bit different with, with Robert Patrick's human-man entrance. And then, yeah, the the bit where John Connor was right. And then um, Arnie sort of had him in his sights. I was like, why hasn't he fired yet? 
And then, and yeah, and then he tells John to get down. I was like, oh my God, he's the goody. <laughs> that's so amazing. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what the movie is designed for you to do. But if you go back and look at the trailers for this movie, they, bl- they blow that. They spoil uh, that. Yeah. And it's that's just so like, that's, that, that was the design of the movie is they were trying to trick you going into this one. Um, and yeah, it's really disappointing. And like I, 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 like I said, I've never met anyone who didn't know that. And so it's so cool to see it work on you the way it was designed to work on you. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, my reaction you, was, uh, yeah. I was expecting them both to be bad, honestly, because, <laughs> um, because the cop just acts so creepily when he's like, you know, when he's asking after Kyle and stuff, he just seems malicious to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, my theory was that he was going to be like evil Kyle. Like it was going to be like, Sarah was going to be all like, Oh, a guy from the future. Like, this will be great. You know, help me with, with John and this guy was just gonna be like an arsehole and a bad influence on John or something but mm. uh, yeah I didn't expect I, double Terminators yeah I think you might even enjoy a rewatch because there's so many line deliveries that are so great where like the the step parents are like hey there was a, there was a biker by here earlier looking for him and and Robert Patrick's like I wouldn't worry about him and it's just, <laughs> it's just perfect it's it's dead perfect yeah. but the first time yeah. you see it you don't really get it you know yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree he's he's menacing and 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 wooden and because he's a machine before we realize he's a machine but i wonder if like when i saw this movie i was a little kid and when you're like a seven-year-old kid i think you're probably a lot more respectful and and reverential to police officers than you mm. than i am today so like the the idea of this guy like assuming the role of a cop just like seems seems to bring about like respect and authority or or at least it did when i was younger and not so much anymore but um, I, I think it's it's very clever because I think the, the choice to the choice James Cameron made to make him dress as a cop throughout the entire movie is definitely saying something very very specific. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid in the early parts of the movie, um, I kind of knew about it, but also was like, well, he's a cop. Those are the good guys. This is a cop. Um, yeah. he, he he decided to take on the role of a cop in this movie. So good guy, right? Has to be. It's, mm-hmm. um, I I think I had the same the same thought process. It is interesting that kind of. The role that cops play in this movie is actually pretty different from in the first movie. In the first movie, they're yeah. they're good guys. They're they're trying to help Sarah Connor. They just don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. In this movie, they're pretty much always after our heroes, trying to yeah. try, catch them and and you know maybe even kill them. In fact, they killed Miles Dyson. So in fairness, there is a point in the movie where our heroes start acting very much against the law. Yeah, yes, I mean that, that's, that's true. In, so I'm in not going to hold it too one, much against the cops for what sure. is essentially it, a terrorist attack well, on, no, a, on a company. I'm absolutely, absolutely right. I'm just, I'm just saying that the the role that cops play in the movie is decidedly different. Um, yes, yeah. they for are sure. They're, they're an obstacle, not an ally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, wait, yeah. the first movie is a very Cold War era film in just like the idea that there was a nuclear war that killed everyone um in in that sort of setup and i i think that sort of lines up with that and then the second one starts to tread into much more like your standard sci-fi anti-corporation anti the system stuff and that's where you know because they are kind of basically just being terrorists against cyberdyne but Mm -hmm. they're doing it for the right reasons and and so they're sort of fighting the system that's about to collapse in on itself and, and the cops represent the system in that you know part of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah didn't the, the berlin wall fell in 89 or was it 90 i don't remember i think it was 91 um, was it 90 yeah so like this is so fascinating to me because i totally agree with you i think in in 1984 this this is a movie that looks at nuclear annihilation and says this is inevitable and all we can do is ensure that humanity exists beyond it like so all we have to do is we have to save sarah not because we're going to stop the apocalypse from happening but because at least if we save sarah then there will be a future beyond the apocalypse and then six years later seven years later um the cold war is coming to an end the berlin wall is falling down and suddenly in a very 90s turn it's not about the inevitability of the apocalypse. It's like, well, no, we can stop that. We can stop that from happening. Mm. There's something we can do to fix it. Um, and that, yeah, I think that is such a stark difference in in, in time and in, in eras, really, um, that these two movies represent. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, definitely very different themes between the two movies. Definitely, uh, like, yeah. like, very, it's almost shocking that they're both directed by James Cameron. 
Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because they feel so different. Um, T2 has this incredibly striking, like, coldness. It's this incredibly consistent tone of like kind of a western kind of like everything mm. at night is like lit like blue um it's just very very tonally different it's got stuff like like the miles dyson the whole miles dyson part of the movie to me i hadn't watched this movie in, in years and watching it this time i was like this is so intense like mm. she decides she decides her mission is i'm gonna go murder this guy i'm gonna go assassinate this guy who's never actually done anything wrong yet but yeah. it, but I have to to stop the, the the world from ending. And she has this horrible nightmare, which is an amazing part of the movie. And then she goes and she tries to kill him, which is like just I, I don't know. As an adult, I found that whole part way more upsetting when she tries to murder him in his own house. Um, and and then they stop her, or she stops herself, sort of. Um, and and then of course we move into the uh, the classic James Cameron double climax, uh, which he does with all of his movies. <laughs> Um, but the, like the Miles Dyson part in particular, I was like, wow, this is this is kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah she yeah. sort of tries to minority report him, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, it's it's funny. The only reason she kind of fails is because she's a terrible shot for <laughs> most of that scene. She unloads what's got to be like 4,000 bullets into that guy's house and somehow misses everyone. Well, um, after his, she... desk, his desk was bulletproof. It's fine. <laughs> you could argue after she didn't really want yeah. to succeed. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> she but, comes like, to I, realization and, and an ethical decision after she's tried to shoot him a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, shot him in the leg or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I like. I like. I, I like the role John plays in all of this as well. Because one of my questions after the end of the first one is, I was like, how do you mentally cope with like as a child being told that you're going to be the chosen savior of human humankind? Like, mm -hmm. surely she wouldn't tell him that. And T two kind of outlines that yeah she did and like it's it's kind of done a number on him not as much as like sarah herself is just a bit of a mess in this movie psychologically yeah. um but john like is goes from just sort of running away from it all to like actually accepting it and you can start to see that you know leader of humanity type person in in how good he is in in the second yeah. half of this film yeah, I mean, his interaction with Arnold Schwarzenegger is is some of the, the most wonderful parts of the movie, and that's why I love this movie. Their interactions together, like even even the moment where they realize that Linda Hamilton is driving off to kill Dyson, and Arnie's like, "Well, that would stop the apocalypse," and he's like, "Don't you get it? Don't you don't you understand why you can't kill people yet?" And that's like part of part of his entire thing is learning the value of life, like the irony of a Terminator learning the value of life. But yeah, I mean, I love this thing. Like there's so much, there's so much of this world that we don't see here where like John was raised being told all this stuff. She was very upfront with him about everything. She was training him. She was teaching him to be a leader, to be a military commander from birth basically. And he just kind of went along with it. And then sometime in the not too distant past of this movie, uh, she was, taken up and he was told by other adults hey your mom's actually crazy like all the stuff she was saying that's not that's not real everything your whole life has been a lie and and that's where he's that's where he's at when we meet him is he's like kind of completely come to understand and believe that this was all bullshit he's nobody special and now he's living with these shitty step parents that are foster parents that he doesn't give a shit about and it's it's a really fascinating choice i i love it yeah um yeah yeah, the the foster parents. Uh, I was just thinking about the T one thousand, just murdering everyone. So I, I just wanted to, to briefly contrast like the the horror stuff in this movie with the horror stuff in the last movie. Where again, it's like that coldness, or like T one thousand is like stabbing people through the eye with his finger, and mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, it's like yeah. it feels very different. Um, well, what what's funny is in that first chunk of the movie where they're pretending the T one thousand is like the human savior a little bit um like it, it it does a much better job emulating people so like there's still something off about it but it was so much more human than arnie um and then that really just goes away after that reveal and it's just sort of like i think the only lines it has after that point are like specifically when it's imitating people mm -hmm. yeah basically yeah that's a nice bike <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think but he, um... he takes he takes the bike that's just so fascinating like I, the T-1000 choosing to be a cop 
is the most fascinating thing in the world because as you guys have said, he keeps going back to that form. He likes it. He likes dressing like the cop. And part yeah. of it is because he's abusing the authority that police officer gives him to get into places that he wouldn't. He basically can just exist in the system without consequence because he's the role of the police officer, which again is yep. a very point is a very pointed commentary that the movie is making. Um, that this guy just like everywhere he gets, he just walks in because no one's going to stop him. Um, whereas our, our characters have to like sneak in or shoot the place up or anything he can yeah. just go there um but but he also yeah he keeps going back to it like he likes it he likes yeah. dressing like a cop and like he t he gets the bike and then now he's riding on the bike and he's still the same cop but now he's like cop ver biker guy like it's just so funny yeah. to me and then he trans and then he trades the bike for a police helicopter mm -hmm. um so he's just constantly swapping out uh tokens of authority yeah and I, I, and then he says and then he says Get out, just like Arnie said in the first one. Because yep. these movies reference each other so much. Oh uh, yeah, yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of callbacks to Terminator one, one in this film. My favorite one was when they're in the hospital busting out Sarah Connor and she sees Arnie and obviously rightfully kind of freaks out. And the the first thing that he says to her that starts to turn her around is, Come with me if you want to live, which is obviously what yes. Kyle said to her at the yeah. start. It's just this moment of like Wait, what? How does he know yeah. to say that? Oh shit! Yeah. Something else is going on here, which I, I mm. thought was a great moment. That 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 whole—that's one of my favorite parts of the movie—is—is uh, is when like she has been completely badass, consistently, you know, complete hard ass up till that moment when the the elevator opens, and then she just freaks out and is just screaming, and yeah, it's just a, it just unfolds so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Linda Hamilton in this movie. And I don't know if you guys are aware, like the, the choice for her to be this badass like soldier person was entirely hers. She was like, I think this is what my character should be now. And she sold James Cameron on it. And she like worked out like crazy to, to get the, the really hard body. And it's just an incredible performance. She's so good in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's so funny to go like to watch these movies back to back. And you see the Sarah Connor of the opening of T1 and how different she is, how much this has changed her. And like, what I love about it is I think you can still see a little bit of the same person in there. Like, it's not like this is an entirely different character. Like you can see the transformation throughout both of these movies. I think it's great. Yeah, I like I did watch them one, like I watched one Friday night and the other one Saturday night. And yeah, like it was a great journey. I, I'm glad that decision was made to turn her into a badass because like I think that was the only direction you could have gone apart from just making her genuinely insane because I like I the best badass characters are the ones that are incredibly traumatized and that's obviously Sarah Connor to a T like she's yeah. mm -hmm. she's someone who's turned into this badass in part because she's trying to confront you know the fact that murderous robots are constantly time traveling <laughs> to kill her so she's like she's a badass but she's also just like incredibly fucked up because of all these events and that's like just such a great combo yeah well I, I love the one-two punch of like the weight of being responsible for the future of humanity and then the weight of knowing that all these people are going to die like I, the, those are two things that pull on her and, and in t2 it's definitely more of the latter definitely more of like just i mean she's constantly haunted by the fact that any any day now everyone's gonna die and that and and my only mission is to survive long enough to teach my son to do to do the important things mm -hmm. after that and yeah. i'm gonna have to sit here and watch nine nine billion people i forget how many yeah. it was but <laughs> how, how many a, lo people. a lot of billion people yeah. die I, 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 well, I mean that's that's the thing she's she's not trying to fix it like she's just having to walk around knowing that she's condemning most of the people she meets to die because her focus yeah. is on after yeah 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 and yeah. it is like eventually that just gets too much for her and she has to act um and yeah, I'm sure you guys, well, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the, the gif of the skeleton, you know, blowing apart on the fence prior to this. But like, that's that's the perfect example of her being haunted by this, you know, mm -hmm. the, the dream. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't put that together. I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, now um, that you say that, I have seen that gif. It just didn't click as, <laughs> oh, that's from this. Yeah. Yep, yep. I, I had a few moments of, oh, that's from Terminator. Like, they come to me if you want, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> I, I did not know that was from Terminator. That was one yeah. of those, like, oh, it's from some 80s movie or something. So that, that was a TIL type situation. Uh -huh. The, the um, thing that I love about that scene where the, the, the bomb goes off is that she's watching a younger version of herself play with a younger version of her son. 
like and uh, that's so fascinating because she's got like the the 80s hair that she has in t1 <laughs> and and she's i think she's wearing like a um like a, a diner um i don't remember precisely but i think she's wearing like a a waitress uniform I think as so. well or something like yeah. that and and that's such a fascinating choice because like that she's like putting this on she's putting like watching her and her son die to this thing although she knows they won't so she's it's almost as if she's like literally transporting the fate onto uh, the version of herself that maybe would have existed before all this happened Mm -hmm. and like so almost literally like this is what it would like this imagine dying this way um myself Mm -hmm. and then of course like the powerful imagery of her being behind the fence and like screaming to warn them and no one's listening and she's powerless to stop it it's it's all just really really wonderfully constructed i love that scene yeah yeah i i agree like it's um it's basically like the whole thing is she she's starting to wrestle with is like it could be her like you know there's mm-hmm. you know aside from you know time traveling robots there's no reason she wouldn't be just one of these people is about to die and that's sort of what this dream is her confronting like that that idea and yeah and yeah so as you said it's just her struggling with the fact that it should be her as well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. eventually she makes that right decision yeah yeah yeah. Right. Well, and that's and that's the moment, of course, when she decides she's going to go kill Miles Dyson because she's, you know, feels compelled to it. But then they they decide, no, we're going to go blow up the machine factory instead. I wanted to talk about. So this is one thing I'm curious about is um, like I feel like uh, the whole basically from from the time they go to the Cyberdyne building to the end of the movie is to me one of the all time great action movie sequence things of all time. Like yes and but the, <laughs> and and like if if you say it's I'll, I'll, I'll yeah i'm interested to hear your reaction because now obviously movies have like movies get so much bigger you know they get so much bigger than that but like in terms of just the sequence of things and the pieces that are in play and the drama of it um it like there's just nothing better for my money I mean, yeah, I, I, I still thought it was, it was very good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. Arnie's yes, moment with the minigun, where he's, he's not killing people, is great. Actually, just so don't, we did talk about. The, there's the hilarious joke where he's like, "I'm not going to kill people," so he like kneecaps that poor security <laughs> guard. He'll live. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, there, yeah, you're right. There's so many things, and you're waiting for. Um, wait the t1000 to show up mm-hmm. for the whole thing like there's just there's so much going on it it is like just a fantastic sequence at a point where i actually thought the movie was like because that that starts like an hour and a half in i was like oh we must be about to wrap up now and then it was like nope whole huge action yeah. scene yeah well that's the that's what i mean by the classic james cameron double double ending because mm-hmm. right um, yeah it it's sort of like the, there's one whole action scene at the cyberdyne factory and then they have a car chase on the freeway from there to the smelting plant or whatever it is and mm-hmm. then there's a whole nother awesome sequence where the t-1000 is hunting them through the the, the smelting plant has this knockdown drag out fight with arnold where he gets all torn up um and then like tries to torture sarah connor and then yeah it's just like thing after thing after thing it's like and it's not just like cool spectacle that i think that's what i love about it it's not just cool it's not just like yeah look what we can do with special effects it's like we've put all these pieces in place you now care about the terminator you now care about sarah connor and john connor and their relationship and and so it you you feel it too it's not just Mm -hmm. cool it's not just cool action yeah what what i I love about it what I love about it is everyone has something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the Cyberdyne part, like John Connor, like Eddie Furlong is not the best actor in the world. <laughs> um, he has some lines that are like a little clunky and like, but you're a kid. Um, but I, the movie constantly gives him stuff to do. And I love that like we got to see the, the setup with the ATM hacking that was done early yep. in the movie pays off to yeah. since he's able to hack in and get the like the movie like it just sets up and pays off and always gives its characters um a, a a purpose to be in the scene like there's there's never really a scene where a character is just kind of completely sidelined and like well what are you going to do now they're always doing something they're always working towards something um like linda hamilton has so much to do in this movie like her and arnold are basically a team from the moment they get together they work together uh to solve to win and run and like i love the moment where she's grabbing the bulletproof vests and like putting them in the in the window of the mm. van as they're driving away like it's just like all the smart little detail stuff like she's so key to everything i love it all mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i thought I think... they did a, they did a really great job of of 
making it believable that you know she has spent whatever 13 years teaching john about all these weapons things and all these bits and pieces so that when this child is playing a part during these gunfights or doing whatever the scene is it it feels like he's a child but it feels like he's you know it feels like he he has earned stuff to do and it doesn't feel weird that he's still a part of the scene it's just very elegant how it all ties together yeah and the frustrating scene in the movie to me is when she's almost she almost beats the t-1000 on her own like she's she's one arm like cocking the the shotgun and like pushing him right up to the ledge and then just runs out of bullets i'm always like i've watched this movie so many times and i still get to that point and i'm like ah just yeah. one more it was just one more um it's such a good moment uh, yeah 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 and then and then following up on that i think one of my favorite moments is is you, you you're not sure what happened to her exactly um and you, she's looking for John in the factory. You, you know she's looking for John. John sees her and walks up to her, and and you're like, huh? She's kind of, she seems kind of weak. She doesn't really mm-hmm. seem like herself. And then you see hardened badass Sarah Connor behind her, saying, you know, in in the way she really behaves, get out of the way, John. And it's you're like, yeah, that's that's perfect. Everything mm-hmm. everything about this movie is perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's held up remarkably well. I, I just I, okay this <laughs> my little pet peeve and this is so nothing but the whole reason they're sort of in the smelting plant is because they've got the terminator arm from the first one and they need to destroy it so people can't reverse engineer it anymore and then arnie loses his arm in the factory <laughs> of course <laughs> they don't they don't go back and get it i was just yelling at them the whole time i was like you've got to go get arnie's arm the whole this the same shit's about like if that's not the plot of terminator 3 then i agree it's a complete trash film because <laughs> that arm is sitting there just waiting to repeat or just waiting to set things exactly back in motion so the, the chip the chip's more important than the I, arm I, it was really that's the, fair. The, the chip yeah to be honest i never noticed that but now that you pointed I, I didn't it out, <laughs> i actually like it more because it implies that they have like accidentally done a complete closed time loop. I mean, you're right that the chip is the chip was destroyed, but mm-hmm. I mean, they. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I feel like they would have had backup files on the chip, though. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, no, Cyberdyne's Cyber a big military up. contractor. They would have had offsite backups, but that's fine. That that's. Yeah, I, I, like, I'm not going to criticize a movie for not doing something like that because that's just man this so- was 1991 <laughs> offsite backup Psh, yeah we didn't do that shit <laughs> no that's no you're you're probably I, right I like, but it doesn't matter I, yeah. I really like that though i mean i like i like the whole bit where the t-1000 just beats the shit out of him like that's a great you know mm-hmm. it's so good yeah yeah well he's like he's like the the shit the shitty old model right yeah. like he's he's the crappy one yeah um the, and yeah. the underdog it, and it's really great yeah it's i mean it's great because throughout the movie he's accumulating damage at first it's pretty minor but it gets worse and worse and of course t1000 is, is spotless the entire time because he just regenerates mm-hmm. and and uh and then by the end he's just <laughs> he's just, he's just in terrible shape um i think i think me and my brother would play this play the scenario out with the the smashing and the ripping off of the arm repeatedly <laughs> um, anyway this is definitely well, very formative I, I love movie. the I, I love the, the the change in the the sort of terminator's imagery like in the first one the red eye is such a fantastic horror horror mechanic like mm-hmm. like that red eye is so haunting and then in the end of the second one it's like devastating when it gets to the point where his red eye is back out because i'm like oh no he's dying mm-hmm. like you know put that red eye away it's 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 too sad um yeah and, and the t-1000 is just yeah this this completely different form of horror like they they start to have so much fun with just fucking up the t-1000's body and and then like having it put itself back together again. Oh, like, the yeah. bit where it dies and it just gets like turned it's into fucking cronenberg this... <laughs> yeah 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 and um and starts screeching like suddenly it just has this inhuman screech feature which is just like a perfect <laughs> ending um <laughs> Yeah, like I, I just love how they 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 flipped over the original Terminator one and also introduced this T one thousand that was just horrifying in a completely different way. Mm. Yeah, and can, like the computer graphics have held up so oh, yeah. well. I was yeah. surprised at how good it all looks. Yeah, it was a good it, example of like less is more. Like they just mm-hmm. they just did some shiny reflective material and that sort of thing holds up very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and like the thing, the just the special effects, like you can tell seven years have gone by because all of it's better. Even the moments where they're not using CG, or if it's like Arnold standing there holding up the mechanical 
Arnold arm when he shows it to Dyson. Even that, like that's seamless. Even the makeup effects when half his face has been has been metalfied, right? That just mm-hmm. looks really solid. Like there's no moment I think where you can clearly see that the movie switches between model and mm. Arnold I, that there was in the first one. I, I don't know how they did the uh, cutting off of cut, cutting off his forearm flesh thing without CGI. Like it, it looks perfect to me. I, I don't know. I was really looking this time for like if I could see like where where his real arm is, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. like I, I and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So I, I don't know how they did it either. They did a lot of crazy shit for this movie. Um, the one the craziest thing that they did that you guys didn't actually get to see because it was a deleted scene is there was a mirror shot in the movie. Um, and but James Cameron like wanted to do the camera directly behind the mirror. Like, and therefore the camera would show up in the mirror. And so that doesn't work. You can't shoot a mirror shot that way, but he really, really wanted to do it. So instead of doing a mirror, they hired Linda Hamilton's twin and it's just <laughs> built look, to look what? like a mirror. And she's just mirroring all her sister's moves. That's insane. In the shot. It's, it's just insane. And then they cut it. They cut it from the movie. Oh, um, I, I didn't, I didn't realize she had a twin. How do you not? use oh man what <laughs> insanity that's hilarious i didn't even know that the only deleted scene i know about is that in the the first scene when she's stitching up his his bullet holes there's a deleted scene where they take out his brain chip so that they can turn it on to learning mode which is why the the subsequent scene where john says are we learning yet um mm-hmm. makes sense uh-huh. okay um, and then yes. sarah connor is like all right let's smash it and John stops I think, her. I think that's the scene, Matt. I think that's the scene. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. just doing that. It's shot into a mirror. I didn't know that. Um, Wait, I, I, I saw that scene. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm picturing, I saw this scene like, you know, Linda Hamilton takes out the brain and, and John's like, okay, we're going to turn it into learning mode. But then she tries to smash it with a hammer. Is that the scene we're talking about? Yeah, it's a deleted scene. Maybe that you wasn't in the it. movie that you guys saw. <laughs> Maybe you watched like the director's cut version or something. Yeah, you, oh. you, probably, you probably should watch the director's cut. That's fine. I don't, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know I if I've have. actually watched the director's cut, honestly. Oh, I don't know. I'm going back now and looking at the scene specifically to look at the mirror stuff. I don't know if it's... Is it the right one? That's funny. I'm not saying... Oh, Maybe some, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. There is stuff. That's not that's not Linda Hamilton. That's her sister. Every time the <laughs> the camera is directly looking into the mirror, that's her sister mirroring her movements. Oh my god, that can't be right. That's that's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's James hmm. Cameron. That's what he does. That's yeah. insane. If that's that's <laughs> I mean, insane. I have to assume Tito had a much higher budget as well, like as well as seven years of special effects improving, but like just. Based on the fact, I think Scott, you mentioned in the prescription, Arnie had just taken off in stardom, and um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember exactly when James Cameron took off, but I just imagine this was one of those points where they're like, "Here, have ten times the amount of money you did before," and he was like, "Cool, I'm gonna spend it on good graphics and also some helicopters." Yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah, any yeah. any one of those action set pieces at the end probably cost more than the whole first movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just looked it up. The original budget for the Terminator was. Six point four million dollars. The budget for T two was a hundred million dollars. Yeah, um, which I mean, oh, but adjust back for in inflation. 90, yeah, but still, back in ninety one, this is this is before super like big budget films happened. Like you just did not spend a hundred million dollars on a movie very much back in the nineties, mm-hmm. especially the early early nineties. Like the Matrix in ninety nine was sixty three million. A hundred million dollars for a movie is yeah wow. insane in nineteen ninety one. Well, it shows. The, I mean, it looks beautiful. Scene. Yeah, this all the car chase scenes in T two are phenomenal. Like the uh, the T one thousand always seems to end up in a big truck and pushing things off the road <laughs> as it yes. chases people on like bikes. Um, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another, I mean, and, and of course, you just know that like the helicopter chasing the truck scene, like that, they must have really done that, right? Because they didn't. Yeah, they the helicopter went under a bridge. Yeah, exactly. Um, huh. Yeah, so good. What a good movie. So 10 out of 10, right, guys? Um, Not to influence. Well, are we going to rate them together or separately? <laughs> oh, got to rate them separately, I would say. Separately. Okay. Hmm. I I feel like I'm going to upset you all because I think I liked T1 more than I liked T2. Is that an insane thing to say? I feel um, like the, yeah. the horror movie vibe <laughs> of it just worked on me more than the action movie movie vibe of T2. Okay. I, I i think that as i said there's like a, a, a beauty in the simplicity of t1 but i think t2 does so much cool stuff from there that like i i'd have to give it a higher number 
Like Fair it's enough. one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Yes, I think that's true. I I did obviously I did like them both quite a lot. But I uh, reflecting back on it, I feel like the one that feels the most like it's going to leave a lasting emotional impression on me is T1 just because of the sheer horrorness of the original Terminator. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I I think I can understand part of this is even like and kind of what I was groping for with my question about like do you think this is the best action scene of all time is like well obviously we have I don't want to say better because I don't know what that word means mm. in this context but like we have we have action scenes that look better we have we, we like just there's been so many damn movies since this movie came out like but when I was a kid this was definitely definitely the best thing there was and so it just yeah. lodged in my brain as being like this you'll, you'll never beat this but that's just because I grew up with it and so I can I can accept I mean and, and I agree actually T1 is a great movie um, it is really fun showing people your nostalgia movies because they never really <laughs> react the way you expect them to but it's still it's still mm-hmm. rewarding yeah yeah definitely so Elliot why don't you go first with your numbers uh, sure well so I was going to give T1 like an, an 8 out of 10 uh, and I, I wanted to give T two like a nine out of ten. I think I I actually just loved Terminator two so much. I'm, gonna I'm probably going to go on and watch the others now, despite like <laughs> everyone's going to tell me don't, do it, don't do it. I can't not do it. Um, I love the second one so much. I need more, and I know that's not what I'm going to get, but I'm going to try. I think I'm going to reverse those and give it one and nine and two and eight. I think that feels right I- to me. I can live with that, Matt. How do you feel yeah. about it? I mean, we we now we now know that Elliot and Ruben are extremely extremely stingy with their high scores. So so sure, <laughs> yeah, sure we can accept. What, that. Have we ever given? What have we ever given a ten to, Elliot? I we I don't think we've given out a single ten. Um, I think there's been yeah. two nine point fives, and that's it. Which was Worm and the Good Wife. Uh, the Is Magnus that right? Archives. Oh, the Magnus Archives. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I can, but, uh, I can yeah, say I mean, our system, well, our system's just a joke. <laughs> no, it's very data-driven and accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, uh, both of you. Thanks, Scott and Matt, for coming on the show. Um, if people want to hear more of your uh, media discussion and general things, uh, they can check out all a lot of the podcasts on the Doof Media Network, <laughs> specifically Kingslingers and the Doofcast, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That that is true. We I kind of plugged Kingslingers in the middle of your show because that's what I do everywhere now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going through the Dark Tower series one book at a time, and uh, we're on book four now, and it's been a whole lot of fun. Um, so uh, and then yeah, the Doofcast is just our like variety show where we just talk about whatever. Last week we well, when is this coming out? <laughs> uh, in a few days. So on the most Thursday. recent episode I think will still be seventeen seventy whatever it is. Yes, comes it comes yeah. out the day before the next one. Okay, so yeah, the the episode that's about to come out is our deconstructing Fincher series, where we're going to be talking about uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, this fun! Is our, our penultimate film in that series, Matt. I think I'd have to look at that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us, folks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, Elliot, what are you going to bring us for next fortnight? Yes. Ah, uh, so next fortnight, I am bringing you uh, the sci-fi original series kind of uh battlestar galactica mm-hmm. um so this now, is is spe- this this is one of them like star trek stargates kind of deals <laughs> yep yep it's uh escapes etc space sci-fi um i mean i think i have specifically brought up battlestar galactica numerous times on this podcast definitely outside of it um for how like i often lament what it's done to sci-fi television um Mm. in that since battlestar galactica got big all space sci-fi has had to be dark and serious and really the expanse system is pretty (laughs) much the only thing that's lived up to that um so like i often complain about how battlestar galactica ruined things like stargate and and blah 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 but Mm. there's a reason everyone tried to copy it and why it completely changed this entire like you know sub industry it's Mm. because it's real good (laughs) <laughs> mm. um and i do really really enjoy it so you know i i guess i i thought i think it's something you'll really like and i and i thought it's something we should actually talk about because it's 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 very dark and brooding but like in a very very good way yeah okay cool um interesting i don't know what to pick at i, I guess <laughs> that we've talked about a number of um like science fiction tv shows our first yeah. ever episode was on stargate we've talked about dark matter the expanse 
God, so yeah. many. We talked about Legends of Tomorrow, I'm pretty sure, which is basically <laughs> I one. guess that counts. Um, yeah, this is the, the Expanse. Firefly. Yeah, the Expanse and yeah. Firefly would be the, the closest to this, M- much more the Expanse. Right. It's a very, like, dark and serious. So it's set, basically, humanity uh, ha- is spread throughout 12, like, colonies, different planets. Mm. And it's set, um, and it's funny, I actually picked this out a while ago, and uh, obviously, you know, with, with what we've just seen with Matt and Scott, there's some nice thematic uh, resonance here. Uh, 40 years sure. ago, there was a massive war against uh, some AI. There was an AI uprising. Mm. So there's sort of like, you know, a worker class of grunts called the Cylons. Um, this AI sort of rose up, went to war against the humans. Eventually, this truce was declared and the Cylons disappeared into space and, and sort of said they were going away and they didn't want to come back anymore. Um, and this obviously picks up 40 years later, where I guess, mild, mild spoilers, the Cylons did not go away forever. Um, and this war sort of reignites. And, um, what, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, as a show, it has such interesting characters. The, the premise uh, you, you'll get into more as you get into it is really good. Like it works off of the characters thematically. Like this show mm. does some of the most interesting stuff with religion that I've ever seen in any show, um, mm. which is surprising for a, a space sci-fi show to, to tackle so competently. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so much interesting stuff going on in this in this series that like I I can't get into now because I don't I don't want to taint any of your perceptions going in. Um, yeah, sure. But uh, the only other thing I, w- I want to because okay, you you have to go. There's there's sort of two Battlestar Galactica series. There, okay. There's like a really old 1978 one. Don't don't watch that one. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't know what it's about. Um. But then this series started in 2003, and it was actually a miniseries. So oh. Sci-Fi made it, it. It's two hour and a half long episodes. And and technically, that's all I'm really prescribing to you today. Like that, that's sort of, if you can get through that, through that three hours, I think we'll have lots to talk about in two weeks. But what happened is that, that three hour miniseries was such a big hit that they sort of used it as a platform to launch like a full on TV show. Right. Um, so if you go to, you know, something like this is on Prime Video in Australia. So if you go to Prime Video and search Battlestar Galactica, the first hit will be like the TV show that's from 2004 to 2009. Right. If you go to the start of that, you you basically- I'll have missed the first season. Yes. And it'll just open where it'll be like previously and it'll just spoil the entire three hour miniseries <laughs> for you. Okay. Okay. So- I get you. If anybody's going to be watching it like, like this, definitely like 100% make sure you're looking at the 2003 miniseries to start because you need to watch the three hours of that because the, the TV show picks up a, a little bit of time after that miniseries, mm. but it like completely relies on what happens mm. in that miniseries to define itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks for the, uh, the word of warning, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, yeah, it's just, it's so good. Um, I-, I I actually sat down to watch the first 15 minutes of the mini series and prep for this, ended up watching the whole three hours and then also an nice. episode of nice. the, the TV show. So I'm right back into it. Um, good on you. You've been rehooked. <laughs> That's always good. That's always a good sign when you get rehooked before you prescribe something. Yeah. So yes, like my summary of this show would be, I hate what it's done to the industry at large, but the reason it was able to do it is because it's real fucking good at what it does. Yep. Fair enough. Um, all right, cool. Well, I guess I'll go off and watch it then, and we'll talk about it in more detail specifically next time. Yes, I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, thanks, uh, Scott and Matt, for joining us. Again, if people want to check out more stuff with them, you can head to the Doof Media site. There's a bunch of shows on there. If you want to leave us your thoughts on uh, Battlestar Galactica, though, you can uh, shoot us an email at mediumdpodcast.gmail.com. Yep, and after you're done checking out Matt and Scott's other stuff on Doof, uh, why don't you check out mm. our other stuff on Doof? Because we have Whoa. things outside of MediaMD. Uh, we just no. released some bonus content on the We've Got Ward feed, actually. Uh, Ruben and I spent about an hour talking all things Ward. Yep. We went so deep into Ward, the deepest anyone's ever gone, and we oh. only did it in an hour. Not like <laughs> Scott and Matt, who took, what, two years to go into oh, it? Come on. Unbelievable. <laughs> Scrubs. Uh, there's obviously our other show, Pale Reflections, uh, which Matt and Scott were just on as well, actually. We've been doing a lot of Man, crossover content with synergy, them yeah. recently. <laughs> Look at this brand synergy. Love it. Um, for more information on that, uh, you can also check out our Patreon, where you can also support us and become a patron. That is patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. There's all kinds of cool bonuses that you get for supporting us at different levels. So do it. Yeah. Um, you can find links to all those things that I just mentioned on the Doof website, which is doofmedia.com 
Uh, and while you're there, you can also fi- uh, find all of the previous clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why is his robot so friendly. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Circuit board. Circuit board. And we'll see you next fortnight. Circuit board.